0: Paul McLaughlin with Jim Hopkinson. McLaughlin at work, discussing a new ebook. The title, the salary tutor to learn the salary negotiation secrets no one ever taught you. And my guest and the author, Jim Hopkinson. Jim, welcome aboard. Thank you. Great to be here. Um, to start with, you have created an ebook. Correct. For those of us of a different generation, what is an ebook? How do you get it? How do you read it? And what do you have to have in order to get there?
1: E-books seem to be the new thing. Uh, Everyone's getting There's been many sales of the Amazon Kindle. The iPad has been selling millions upon millions. The iPad 2 is coming out. And uh, a lot of just as video has gone digital and photos have gone digital, now stories are going digital. And so put together it originally in a PDF format and was going to do it that way. And now it's going to be on the Kindle and
0: and other devices. And in fact, when you started writing this book, the opportunity to make it an e-book was only emerging. Correct. So this is a new, a new method for uh, publishing for the likes of Business Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is uh, a new way of, of marketing and exposing the book and then at some time it will come out in, in, another, in yet another form. Exactly. Um, salary Tutor, what is it all about? It's uh,
1: you know quite simply it's a it's a story about how to negotiate your salary and it came from personal experience when I'm looking at it and was preparing for an interview and i was thinking back you know did when did I learn this you know I I went through did my parents didn't really sit me down and I really didn't take any classes in college and friends it kind of classes on salary on salary exactly yes I took some classes in college. but, you know, for a lot, I mean, talking with your friends, sometimes salary is kind of a taboo subject. And so when I got to the point to negotiate salary, I'm like, no one teaches you this stuff. And I'm like, is it just me? So I went to Google and I, you know, searched, you know, interview tips or resume tips. And I think 90 million results came back on, on interviewing resumes, but only like half a million came back on on salary negotiation tips. And of those, a lot of them are just like a blog post here and there. It didn't really go that in depth. So then I went over to Amazon and I searched. For resume books, for interviewing books, same thing, at like forty, fifty thousand 50,000 results on books on those subjects, but only like 139 uh, on negotiating salary, and I'm like, to come on to something here.
0: And interesting that you would say given that your book is going to be promoted through Amazon. Right. That you went on Amazon to find the book. You couldn't. Now you've written the book, and it's going to it's appear on Amazon, it. and that's how people can buy it. Exactly. Um, it strikes me that the, uh, the this, uh, I noticed in the book, and I have read it, which is not always true for all the things that we're not going to work, but I was intrigued. I noticed that one of the, one of the facets of it was deciding when you're going to retire, you're a young guy in a, in, a, in a young person's world, virtual, if you will. Is retirement really a factor in determining salary?
1: Uh, it can be. You want to, you know, look far ahead. A lot of people just looking, you know, day to day, week to week, and that can happen when you're in a job. And all of a sudden, two, three, four years go by, and you're like, oh, I'm still in the same job. So it's good to have long-term goals. I've always had long-term goals for that. And kind of, you know, going after doing something you like and, and going
0: after that dream job, and that's what I talk about a lot. And is the dream job always related, regardless of retirement, to having a good time, having fun, enjoying what your passion comes through in many aspects in your book?
1: I think it does. I think it makes it easier. It's called, I tell a story. You know, you've heard the term of a, a virtuous cycle. Well, I call it a virtuous bicycle because um, one time when I was in Seattle, I was kind of into mountain biking, and I had what I thought was a pretty decent mountain bike. And when I went out there, Uh, My friend's like, "Uh, this is the type of bike you should have. And it was like $2,000. I'm like, I could never spend even $1,000 on a bike. And when I looked into it more, I eventually broke down. I got it less than that, but, you know, I negotiated well. And I got it less than that and got a really great bike, and it was that you know, emphasis. So because I had a good bike, I wanted to ride more. And then the more I rode, the better I got. And the more um, the better I got, the more fun it was, which made me want to ride more. And a lot of times that will happen with your job. So if you're passionate about your job, you're going to get good at it. And then you're going to get noticed for promotion, and you'll make more money, and then you'll be happier on that. And so it kind of reinforces itself.
0: Well, and it's, it's an interesting point because one of the things they say about a re- like uh, what we have here in front of us is that for young people they're reading more much like riding your bike more they're reading more because of the new electronic means of, of, of distribution so people are used to getting on a screen to read from which presumably is one of the reasons why you decided to bring this out as an e-book first.
1: Yeah. I mean, right now, people are going <coughs> to consume the content where they want it, when they want it. So it's, it's no longer – there used to be a time when to watch the news, everyone came home at 6 o'clock and watched the news, or you watched The Tonight Show at 11 o'clock. Now everything is time-shifted. You watch Saturday Night Live on Sunday morning, and you could read a book on the screen. You could read it on an iPad. You could read it on your iPhone even. And so it's, it's giving that electronic format to whatever you know, format people want to read from.
0: And for those of us of a certain generation, it is a miracle that the page count gets updated when you read it on an iPhone. Yep. And then when you go back to pick it up on another application or another platform, it's on the same page that, uh, that you left off on a different platform. Correct. I don't understand that. How does that work? Uh,
1: it's, it's magical. It's the magic of computers. They can sync it up, and uh, it's pretty amazing. But it's, you're right that it's the generation I'm kind of going after with this is a lot of times people in their 20s that you know maybe not their very first job, but kind of you're on your second or your third job and you you're kind of know what you want to do. And studies have shown, like, I you know, I'm kind of old school too, right? So I, I've, in 19 years of working, I've had only four jobs. My dad, from 1973 to 93, only had two jobs. And the king, when I did an internship in college, uh, my boss at the Bank of Boston had been there 44 years with the same job. So. But that's that time yeah, is he over. He must have loved the job. He must have loved the job. I think he retired early, not because he turned 65, but because he had over 44 years or something right. like that. But now um, studies show, there's a New York Times article that cited research that people in their 20s change jobs seven times just in their 20s alone. And every single one of those times is a chance to negotiate. And that's why it's so important.
0: Well, and, and, and reflecting on my own career, when I worked for an investment bank, much like you worked for Bank Boston, when we recruited in the late 80s, one of the selling points was retention. Mm -hmm. And then the crash of 87 and retention, people couldn't spell it. Yeah. Uh, And and that whole world has changed. And now it it really is true that the salary, uh, that the issue of of money also comes down to, I think, in this medium, young people, the people who you are encouraging to read this book because it will give them comfort and confidence. um, They are the same people who think that a lot of information is free. So your book is going to be sold, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you wrote this to proselytize and also because that's what you do and you're a writer. Um, but the uh, the notion that so much of this is free information, how does that measure up to the, the filthy lucre, the thing that you need as a salary? And I, I noticed that you have a balance in the book yeah. between fun and passion and lifestyle, but also that the sort of the common jealousy of the guy who has the or woman who has exactly your same job but negotiated it differently ends Mm -hmm. up starting off at a higher salary and that person will always be at a higher salary than you.
1: I think there's two things. So one is just you know, a lot of information on the Internet is free. People say, well, why, I can probably find this online somewhere, why should I buy the book? And you pay for something that is, is well done, is packaged correctly, and that saves you time and makes you money. So sure, you can find a blog post here and there that might have some salary negotiation tips, but they're generally in a blog post that might be one or two pages and doesn't really get down to exactly what you want to say. So what the book will do, and I think you know, people will easily say, well, I'll pay a little bit of money if this could make me thousands. You know, I think it, you know, that's presenting some value. Um, and the second thing is, you, you do want to make sure, you don't want to be in that situation. The story you're referring to is this guy, he was um, from London, and he got a job in the U.S., and he goes out with his friends, and, and they go to a bar, and... Uh,
0: have a Guinness he, or two. Have a Guinness or two. I was the fifth one before he realized he, yeah. he had
1: been a rube. And, and he's like, what do you think? I got the job offer. Should I counteroffer? Should I negotiate? And the guy's like, no, no, don't. You know, don't be lucky. You got the job. Great job. And he, got, he was all happy. He comes to New York, and yeah, the first week, he meets people in orientation, and then he meets a guy that has this same start date, same job, they go for some beers, and five Guinnesses in, it comes out that the other guy makes $20,000 more than him. And you're like, well, he'll make it up. But no, that other guy's going to get raises too. And so he's suddenly all this excitement that he had about this new job and this new opportunity, he's always going to have that in the back of his
0: mind. And in your book, you address that particular problem. And, and, and how do you do that? How, what, do you, what, <laughs> what is your advice to people? The, the two main goals in the book.
1: And... What it is is number one, it's being able to say I was prepared, and number two, to be able to say I did everything I could. So a lot of people aren't prepared. So they go into their interview, and all of a sudden, they're like, so how much money are you looking to make? Well, it's a daunting task, it's too. It's a daunting particularly task. Particularly when
0: you're young and somebody is older, and you know that they are going to be the ones setting your salary.
1: Exactly. And you're at that disadvantage with if you're going against an HR person that might negotiate salary five or ten times a week, right? So they've got people getting promotions and raises, and, and so they've got this down where you might only do it a couple times in your life or every couple of years. And so they're at an advantage, and that's what you know, the key is here is to give that advantage so number one is being prepared know that question is going to be asked know when to you know what to say and when to say it and the second thing is and,
0: and staying with that for a second sure
1: preparation means what it means knowing what the range is for your job in that industry and, and for you know the skills that you 're bringing and you can get that a, a number of ways so you can do it through uh, social networks so you can ask friends you can go to Job fairs, you can, um, you know, just even writing letters and and not have to be saying how much are you making, but hey, you know, I have an example of a letter. Hey, dear John, I met you at that Halloween party last year. You're a friend of Don's and you said you were in publishing. I'm going for a job in this publishing job. It's a senior director and it has four people reporting to me. I've done some research on, you know, what the range is, but I want to just make sure I'm in in the right ballpark. Can you just give me a range of what you think this job should pay? And they're either going to say, well, you're in the right ballpark. And just so you know, you're kind of in that range.
0: And um, because we're here on the East Coast discussing this, you're a native of uh, Boston, and, and I am from New York, it seems like it's different out in Silicon Valley, where, where there's a different there's a different startup mentality, the issue of salary. just how, how, does, how, does you, how do you do it on the left coast as opposed to how we might do it with the Bank of Boston?
1: Um, I don't think it's that much different, but probably the casualness. Um, the way it might be brought up, whereas at a formal corporation, you might have an HR department and you might have formal reviews every single year. But maybe out there, you're talking to a guy in a t-shirt and shorts, and you're talking to them, and they're like, "Yeah, how much are you looking to make, and how much you make at your last job?" And you want to tailor it to the person you're talking to for sure. But it's, it's all about knowing the, the salary range at, in that given city.
0: And when you're talking about salary, and particularly for people at a, at a younger age, you usually are talking about cash compensation. How, how do you prepare for that other element of options or things down the road, particularly in an environment where startups uh, appeal to people? And mm-hmm. I know you address the startup issue but particularly with regard to cash salary versus long-term, as we used to call it, right. long-term compensation. I What's think the there
1: are multiple things to consider. That it's, it's funny. It's a book on salary negotiation, but I try to emphasize it's not always about the salary. There's a lot of things that you want to take into account. Are you working for a good boss? Are you either at your dream job or is this going to advance your career? Um, what about the commute? What about work-life balance? Those are all very important things. And I also say, though, that you can negotiate those things just as hard as the salary negotiation. And the example I gave was um, getting a car you know, I bought a car when I moved to Seattle, and I went back and forth, and I negotiated on the price of the car, and I got that down, and then I wanted to get a warranty because it was, you know, a questionable model, and, and they're like, oh, yeah, here's the, here's the uh, warranty papers just signed here. And I was like, no, no, no. And I had read and I had researched that it's just as important to negotiate hard on the warranty, because that sometimes they'll, the the salesperson will say, "Oh, I'll give them two hundred dollars off on that sticking point on the car, and then I'll make a thousand back on the warranty." So you have to negotiate. That is equally as hard. And the same thing goes for benefits. So once you negotiate your salary, you can negotiate things like your title, um, number of weeks vacation, and oftentimes that's easier. A lot of times, salaries are very you know, strict. You have different levels, and the senior director makes this, and the director makes this, and there's not a lot of flexibility there. And the person you're interviewing with, they, they might feel bad. They're like, I'd really love to give you more money, but I'm really stuck here. But if you say, oh, there's, there's this really cool conference every year in San Diego that I want to go to. Is it possible to do that? Sure. You know, is it possible to work from home two days a month? And, and that's going to give you a better work-life balance. Sure, they might be able to give you those other goals.
0: So the, the, the notion of salary tutor really is... Broadly defined is, is compensation, it's, lifestyle. It, it, it's the whole package, exactly. and that takes into account a lot of things. Um, I, I don't know how you, you raise this subject, particularly male-to-male. What is your advice to young women, and, and how is it different uh, than the advice in the salary tutor to young men? Obviously, there's a gender difference.
1: Yeah, and I, and I quote some research in some books of, of women that have done research on how it's different for women, and... Um, one in five women don't negotiate at all. So they're like, hey, we'd like to pay you $50,000. Okay, sold. And I've, I've talked to so many people and said, you know, uh, now that i am written the book and I'm talking to people, like, how did your last negotiation go? I'm fascinated about people's personal stories. And they're like, they told me a number and I accepted it. I'm like, did you counteroffer? They're like, I didn't know I could. And, and both men and women are saying that. And I think um, it's a kind of a culture thing sometimes where there was an example I read about where even as a young child, when you're doing chores, you know, the daughter helps the mom, you know, with the dishes, but the son is like, if you mow the lawn, if you take out the trash, we'll give you, you know, an allowance. And they're kind of getting paid for the work versus helping out. And that's not all the time. Is so, that an it's issue changed. you had
0: with your siblings? It might be. That, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think <laughs> of, if that story. happened to me, if my dad <laughs> would pay me separate.
1: I think we all, you know, the way you should do it is everyone should get the same fair allowance right. for work done. If you're helping around the house, right. you're helping around but, the house. But that's
0: a message to parents. Yes. We're talking about salaries. Yeah, so,
1: so a message to women would be that you, you can negotiate, that it is something that is done. Women sometimes want to be more accommodating, yeah. and, and men are, are just used to like just negotiating, and, 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 women, and men ask more. There was a study that I quote where um, they, they paid someone, they said, here's your payment for this task, and if the person asked and said, you told me I would get more, I want more, they would give it to them, and if they didn't, and if they just kind of whined about it, they didn't give them more. And men asked nine times more often than women
0: did. Yeah. This story uh, dates itself a little bit. But my sister worked for IBM a very long time ago when white shirts and ties, and there were very few women. And, uh, and she got into a salary discussion and decided uh, that the only method she had was tears, hmm. And they worked. But I say that that I think that women probably have an advantage by pushing back, in fact, because so few of them do. Mm -hmm. But if they do push back, they'll find that that salary barrier can fall pretty quickly. Yeah.
1: And I think just knowing that you can ask is such a big hurdle. Like the first couple lines of the book is like, congratulations, you're already ahead of the game because you're buying this and you're making the decision that I want to arm myself with information. I want to know what I can do and how to do it. And even that's half the game.
0: So the first part is a preparation, mm-hmm. and you've got to know the context, the bubble within you find yourself. Uh, and the second part? The second part is I did everything I could.
1: And sometimes you're going to find that you didn't max out like that. Um, the example for you know when I, when I graduated college, it was also a recession and I was a computer information systems major. And I remember going to career services. I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna get my job. And I looked down the chart and I looked over and it's like the average computer information system major makes $41,423. I'm like, yes, I'm gonna make 40 grand a year. And so I went out and it was like a huge recession and, um, and I couldn't get a job. And then I, my car broke down, I was losing money. and I did an internship for free. And then it started to rebound and I got an interview and I, and I was ready and they said, uh, well, th- this salary starts at $20,000. And I said, well, um, uh, I've done my research and I feel that someone with my qualifications at a CIS degree, blah, blah. and she looked at me and she said, everyone here starts at $20,000. Do you want the job or not? And I kind of said, okay. But where that might look like I was conceding, I answered my two questions. Was I prepared? Yes. I, I had um, data that I went back to and I counter-offered. And did I do everything I could? And the answer is yes. I, I went back and I counter-offered. I gave the reasons why I thought I should make more. So in, in, in
0: talking, and, and, and the other thing that comes up, I think, when you, when you have you done all your work is people particularly coming here to New York or going into the Valley, the cost of housing. Sometimes you have to take into account that you're going to be living with five people in a one-bedroom apartment in New York, and that's all you can afford for what you pay. So while it seems like you'll be getting more money in a certain location, the way that money is spent is... um, is different. Yeah, the bottom line your is... Your commute probably was on the same mountain bike in Seattle. Right, right. <laughs> in New York, that's probably not as likely.
1: Yeah, you have to know, in the end, you can do all this research of what the job pays, but you have to know your budget as well, how much you spend, um, how much you really need to get by. However, when you're negotiating, especially if you're going for a raise, you what's important is that companies will pay you, if you make the company money, if you um, save the company money, or you do something no one else can do. So if you go in there and you're going, you know, getting a raise at your current job, say, and you're like, "Wow, I really need a raise. You know, it's so expensive. They just raised my rent and I'm getting married next month and I'm having a kid." It's like, "That's important, but that's not their problem. Their business is to is to make money as a business." So what you should be talking about is, "Here is how I save the company money. Here's a project um, you know, say you did something on the web and it generated an extra, you know, two million page views and those page views could be sold to an advertiser for $35,000 worth of inventory. Then you are I'm not asking for $35,000. I want a, you know,
0: $5,000 raise. So you make it relative. Exactly. And you, and you put it in the context. Um, as I often do when I'm off camera I forget to say that I'm speaking with Jim Hopkinson. And the book is the e-book uh, coming out is The Salary Tutor. You may want to hold up sure. uh, that and give an indication that... That will be the vehicle. So while this is a cover, if you will, all the pages will be uh, found in something uh, exactly like that. Yeah. And uh, it's, an interesting, uh, it's an interesting notion um, that you who wrote this book and wrote it as an e-book, you have a background both in sports and with Wired Magazine or, or one of those. Explain how, how this all came to be and this was your medium. Yeah, I
1: think it's a, an interesting perspective in that, you could say, well, why should I listen to you? You're not an HR person. You haven't done this every day. You call the HR the evil, the evil, evil a- HR, HR lady. Yeah, yeah. Paint, a, paint a picture of the right. evil... You know,
0: interestingly, it usually is a lady. And or well, more and often than not, it is a lady.
1: Right. Every good story needs an antagonist, right? <laughs> it's you against them. And so, OJ. you know, maybe someone that's behind the desk, you know, in HR doing this for 20 years has one perspective. But my perspective is I had to learn this myself. And I had to find out what worked and what didn't work, and use it at various companies and through trial and error, through a ton of research. And I'm kind of that research guy. Mm-hmm. So even though uh, I'm not in HR, um, I worked at ESPN, and I worked in their fantasy sports group, and that's all about research. We were doing focus groups Were you on television? Um, I wasn't on television. I wrote a column for them online. Okay. And uh, I, think I was
0: on Pre-TV. TV. Pre-blog. I was writing a column online. I right. Guess. It was a, before blogging came in as a notion.
1: Exactly. We were doing... Uh, Uh, Focus groups once, and they're asking these guys, you know, how much time do you spend preparing for your fantasy sports season? And they go around the room. One guy's, I don't know, you know, 10 hours. One guy's like, I don't know, eight, you know, nine. And then another guy's like, "Uh, four to five hours a week. And he goes, okay, so four to five hours a week. He's like, "Uh, no, uh, 45 hours a week. And everyone kind of stood back, and the guy's like, "You're single, aren't you? Right?" But people spend all this time <laughs> on, and I think fantasy sports is great. And it was my career for eight years, and I do spend a lot of time on that. But I don't think enough people spend enough time preparing for this 30 seconds of, of glory. I call it that. That that is that negotiation. And when I um, had my last interview where I negotiated salaries, um, I spent a week preparing for the first interview, a week straight, and then eight straight hours preparing and rehearsing for that 30-second clip. You might be like, you spent eight hours for a 30-second conversation? And I say, well, think about what other people do. Did you watch um, the season of 24 a couple years? You know, that's, that's 24 hours. Did you watch American Idol? How much time you spend on Facebook or watching The Bachelor? Like, there's so many, um, so much time you can or spend.
0: Or in bracketology for, yeah, uh, for the March Madness. Yeah, doing your March Madness pool.
1: <laughs> and so um, if you you know, you might have a job, you know, for four years and, you, and you're not negotiating at all. And then you go through all this, you know, networking, your resume, and interviews, and you made the next interview, and you made the second interview, and, you, and now you're gonna talk about it. And then after you get your job, you might stay there for five years or at least a year to your next thing. So it compresses down to that 30 second conversation when they say either two things, either how much were you making at your last job or so, how much money are you looking to make? And if you freeze up and you don't hold your ground, you could lose thousands of dollars and then that affects your next raise, etc.
0: We learn more from our mistakes than our victories. Mm -hmm. What was your biggest mistake?
1: Biggest mistake. Um, I I did look back and it was fun to crunch the numbers and and look at the the research that the average raise is anywhere two, three, five percent at best. And I was able to average twelve percent raises over my career. And so Uh, There were times when I kind of stagnated in my job. I I think every time there was a chance, when I had a review or when I changed jobs, I think I did a good job of being prepared and negotiating. But there were times when I didn't proactively go out and say, um, you know, I think I'm doing more. I want to try for a new position. I'm going to go to my boss and suggest a new title and suggest a new position and and sit down and make goals for that. And so
0: that's something I try to do a lot now. And uh, part of that is, the again, the art of negotiation itself. I mean, doing all the background work, what tips do you have for people when they are confronted with the evil HR so, <laughs> lady? I mean, very, very specific that they're in that situation, they have they have their playbook, they're yeah. all set, yep. and then the question comes up.
1: The question comes, uh, the first thing you want to do is kind of defer it if it's not the right time. And so...
0: Very difficult to do. It's difficult to do. But like great
1: advice. Great advice. And it's, um, so they might say, you know, so one of the things you'll say is, Uh, You know, I I really like to learn more about the job first before we get into salary, and the key is kind of having the right mindset, and and I can tell you what to say, but you really have to believe it. So, the example I give is, let's say, like, well, I need to know before I can pass you on to your manager, you know, how much you're looking to make, and you're honestly saying, I need to find out more about the job before I can tell you what the salary range is, because what if you give a loan number? And then you go in there and you're like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm managing.
0: I left something on the tape. Yeah, no,
1: I, I, I'm managing five people instead of three. And their budget is much smaller than I thought. And the resources aren't as good. Or what if it's the opposite? What if you go in there and you say a really high number and then you go on the rest of the interview and you're like, oh, my God, this place is amazing. I click with my boss. The people are great. They're working on this project that I would die to work for. Like I'd take a pay cut to move here. Up, oh, you gave <laughs> too high a number. Right. So it's just honestly feeling like I, I, I don't, I, I'd
0: love to learn more about the job first. So part of it is getting out of the room in negotiation, right. At the right time, yes. if you can, because you can always you'll always mm-hmm. do better coming back, right? You can prepare yourself a little bit more for that next that next uh, level of negotiation. Yep. Um, what is the end result of of um, the salary tutor? What what do people who people who will buy this as an ebook they'll enjoy the experience of reading it presumably online mm-hmm. in, in in some form, um, and what is your hope For your reader?
1: Um, Two two goals. And I I do this when I'm speaking or doing a podcast or presenting, you know, uh, entertain and inform. And so it's not a boring how-to, this is what you do first, what you do second, HR rules, da-da-da. It's, it's, you can see how excited I get around a topic. So I, I address it, I think 77% of people read blogs. Uh, you know, So people are, are used to that kind of quick, and my, my podcast has been called Audible Caffeine. So I get really excited, and I give real-world case studies. This isn't like, this is what you should say. This is, I talked to this person, this is what happened. I said this, they said that. So I try to do it in an entertaining uh, format and case studies. I got some funny pictures in there, etc. Um, but then inform. And, and again, it comes back to answering those two questions. I was prepared and I did everything I could. Jim Hopkinson,
0: uh, congratulations on the ebook. Thank you. Good luck with it and good luck with your readers for achieving uh, more than they would have had had they not read the book. Great. Thank you. Thank you very
1: much.